Do you, do you know what really struck me again just reading about those early pioneers? Do you know that the guys in that picture are in their 20s? And they traveled all around the UK doing massive crusades, seeing literally thousands of people come to faith in Jesus. That is what we are a part of. That is our heritage. That is what you are a part of. And so I want to so encourage you to dig in deep to receive everything that God has got for you here now at this conference. Um, Also, just to say, uh, you'll know probably that we've been encouraged to use the hashtag ELS17. um, But you can also use the hashtag ELS17YL. Young leaders, okay? If you want to just sort of talk about what we're up to, hashtag ELS17YL. Everyone got that one? Amazing. All right, let me hand over to Darren, and he's just going to challenge us before we then come into worship. My name is Darren. I am from Northern Ireland. Unfortunately for you, I don't come with subtitles in real life, so you're just going to have to try and work with it, um, because I know what I'm saying, and it's going to be really good. Um... So, I was thinking about you guys, and um, all of you guys are here because somebody somewhere spotted some sort of leadership potential inside of you. They've seen that you that there's something inside of you, and you're going to lead something someday, and that's why you're here at this Young Leaders. And we really believe that God wants to to help bring that out and help you to lead better, and to do better, and to follow Him better. There's two words I really, I really felt God was saying to me when I was thinking about you guys. The first one was opportunity. This is an opportunity. I don't know if you realize it. This is an opportunity, one, to meet with God, but two, to be around other like-minded people, to dream about what God might want to do, to dream about what we could do with God. And also, this is an opportunity to, to, to get around some people that really want to pray for you, that really want to help you to do better. And you know, the longer that you're in leadership, the less and less moments like this you'll get. Ask anyone that's led for any length of time, it's harder and harder to find moments where you're in meetings where you don't have to check why are the words not on the screen, why are they, not, why are they talking at the back, why are they not engaged, why, who's going to pray for me when I'm trying to pray for everyone else. These moments become less and less and less, so I really felt like God wanted to say at the very start, grab hold of every minute of this opportunity that you have in these next three days. Every minute. We're not going to miss a single moment. We know what it's like sometimes, any of you that lead any people in programs, and you're like, I have to try and warm them up into the program. We're young leaders, and so today we're going to lead ourselves, and we are going to just step right in from the very first minute. And the second word that I felt like God had for us today was responsibility. Responsibility. We have a responsibility here today because actually the most important person that you will ever lead is you. The most important person you will ever lead is yourself. And how you lead yourself will determine how you're going to lead everybody else. And we have a responsibility to lead ourselves well. And so I'm going to ask you all really quickly, can we stand together? Paul writes to Timothy and he says to Timothy, stir up that gift that's already inside of you, Timothy. Somebody's already prayed for you, Timothy, and the gift's already there, and now it's your responsibility, Timothy, to stir that gift up inside of you. You 
No point going to another prayer line, Timothy, because the gift's already there. It's your responsibility as the leader to get that gift out of you. And so for the sake of the people that we lead, for the sake of the, the people around us in our communities, it's our responsibility in these next three days to stir up the gift that is inside of us. And so we're going to start. We're not going to miss a moment. We're going to grab hold of our opportunity. And I want this all for a second. Can we begin to worship? We're going to lead ourselves in worship for a minute. The band are going to lead us in just a second. But just for a moment, we are going to lead ourselves. And if, I want you to lift your hands, to lift your voice, sing, cry out, thank Him today. Come on, we're leaders. Let's lead ourselves. Tell him how much he means to you. Come on, keep singing. If you need to today, you talk to yourself and you say, why are you so downcast, my soul? Delight yourself in the Lord and you begin to sing and you begin to cry out to him to move. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. If you sing in English, you sing in the Spirit, you do what you need to do, but stir up that gift that's inside of you. Come on, lead yourself. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. And so, God, we come before you and we put aside any voices in our mind that say we do not deserve to be in this space. Any lies of the enemy that say you are not a leader. Any lies of the enemy where we hear voices of insecurity speaking over God, who you are calling us to be. And so, Jesus, as we come before you in worship now, we thank you for the gifts that you've given us. We thank you for the things that you have trusted us with. And, Father, we look expectantly to the things that you will give us in the future. But God, today we worship you, not because of what you will do for us, God, but what you have done. Father, because of who you are, because of your faithfulness and your goodness, we worship you, God, not because of how we feel, but God, because of who you are. And so we come before you now. Father, prepare our hearts. God, let our hearts and our ears be open to all that you have for us and all that you want us to know and in all the ways you want to grow us. And so we come before you. As a generation, Say 
willing spirit, Lord. Give me a willing spirit, Lord. I want to say yes to your will. I want to say yes to your ways. Give me a willing spirit, Lord. Give me a willing spirit, Lord. I want to say yes to your ways. I want to say yes to your
we welcome you into this space. We welcome more of you, Father, more and more. 
God, continue what you're beginning in this space. Father, we thank you for your spirit. And God, as we move into the, the next set, the next um, part of what we're going to be doing this afternoon, Holy Spirit, continue to be stirring in us, continue to be shaping us. Let us worship you through listening, through hearing your voice. And so, God, we pray for a continuation of what you're beginning. Amen. I really sensed as we were worshipping that um, God was prompting me to say that there may be some people in this space um, this afternoon who aren't quite sure why you're here. You're not really sure that you would count yourself as a leader. You're really flattered that somebody maybe would say that is true of you, but you wouldn't necessarily say that you see yourself as a leader. And I feel that if you are in that space the, this afternoon, then I think God wants to say two things to you. Firstly, I think um, that he wants to say, don't worry about what I want you to do because your primary calling is to love me. So don't worry about what it is that you'll, you have to do with your life with this leadership gifting. First of all, love me. The second thing that I believe that God wants you guys to know is just how much he delights in you and what he sees in you. You may not see in yourself, but he sees in you. And so if you're in this space this afternoon, a little nervous as to why you're here, a little unsure, sometimes other people see in us what we can't see in ourselves. So really be affirmed in this space. You're here because not only someone else sees something in you, but God sees something in you. And actually you're outnumbered. Everyone else sees something in you. Um, Great. So um, I'm going to introduce Tim. Tim is uh, the National Director for Limitless Elam. He did request uh, for palm branches to be laid down the middle of the room and for a donkey to bring him in. We don't have that. So if you guys could just like make him feel really welcome to compensate, I'd be really grateful. Tim, do you want to come up? Thanks, guys. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pray for Tim. <laughs> that was banter. I was expecting it was going to be just between uh, the two of us. Never but trust me that, that much. It to never everyone. trust me that much. <laughs> I'm going to pray for Tim. Really isn't feeling too hot. Um, yeah. So if we could just pray for him, he is drumming in the main session. He's sharing at the end of the week. He's sharing now, and I think he feels a little like he's flagging potentially. So if we could just maybe reach out and pray for him. God, I pray that as he ministers and gives out to us in this room, that Father, you would be filling him and healing him by the power of your Spirit. Lord Jesus, honour him. God, I pray that um, as he shares with us now that you'll be stirring stuff up in our hearts. But Lord God, I pray that you will give him the uh, strength and all that he needs to, to be not only just getting through this week, God, but be thriving, Father, this week. So we thank you for him and we pray healing in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I'm so privileged and pleased to be here with you guys. This is great. This is great just to look at the the room that's so powerfully packed with potential here. Uh, I'm really excited. And uh, I'm really excited too for, for Laura and Darren and Ryan uh, that are hosting. These, are, these guys are my friends and they uh, inspire me. And I'm not just uh, saying that because that's the thing you say at the start of the talk. I, I genuinely mean that. You're in good hands. 
uh, over the course of these next few days, and you guys are going to have a fantastic time here. Uh, I've no doubt of that whatsoever. Well, my name's Tim, and I have the huge privilege of leading Limitless, which is Elam's national uh, youth ministry, and, and I love to do that. I'm married to Jen, who's a primary school teacher. I've got two little kids uh, called Tobiah. Is, uh, they're not both called Tobiah. My boy, <laughs> uh, who's three years old, is called Tobiah. And I've got a little baby girl, eight months old, called Aria, which is probably why I'm such a mess. Um, so that's a, that's a little bit about me. And when I was a kid, um, my hero was a guy, some of you will know him because he's on Match of the Day now, was a guy called Ian Wright. Does anybody know who Ian Wright is? Okay, I think we've got a little picture of Ian Wright uh, coming up. There he is. He was a striker uh, for Arsenal Football Club. And I dreamed of the day when I would be Ian Wright, okay? And what I'm looking for is a little bit of affirmation here, okay? Because, because <laughs> that's me, that's me pretending to be Ian Wright. And what I would do is I would do that thing where I'd run around the garden in my replica Arsenal kit, somebody affirm me, here's what I need affirmation on, and I would, I would give myself a commentary, anyone, anyone, Three or four of us in the room, okay? Just feel we weird together. Give myself a little commentary about how I was Ian Wright or insert your favourite sports star there. Scoring the winning goal uh, in the FA Cup final. And I dreamed about being Ian Wright. But it wasn't just, it wasn't just that he was a striker and that he played for Arsenal. It, it, it was the whole thing. It was the, it was the goals that he scored. It was the, the celebrations. It was the winning smile. I was inspired by Ian Wright. I wasn't just inspired by Ian Wright. I wanted to be Ian Wright. I wanted to grow up and be just like Ian Wright. I wonder, have you ever looked at the people around you and wanted to be a little bit more like them. I wonder if you've looked at the people around you, maybe in your church, in your friendship group, uh, people on, on the stage that hold the microphone, and you've looked at them and you've thought, if only I was a little bit more like them. If only I was a little bit more gifted in the way that they are gifted. If only I was that little bit more charismatic, you know, if only I could preach like them, or if I could play the keys, or, or, or lead worship like them. You know, if, if only I was that little bit more intelligent or academic like them, then I know I would be in the position for God to use me. And you look at those people around you, and, and you admire them, and you long to be a little bit more like them. But what happens is this, you say to yourself, I can see how God is going to use them. It's really obvious to me. But how could God ever use me? What have, what have I got to offer God? And in the light of somebody else's qualities, you diminish in your own eyes. And so what you do is you maybe attempt to be a little bit more like that person that inspires you. And it might not be somebody that you know. It might be somebody that you listen to or watch or, or have seen but never met. And you try to be a little bit more like that person in the way that they inspire you. But the problem is, you're never really as good at them as them in that way or at that thing. And so your attempt to be more like that person you admire only leaves you even further diminished in your own esteem as yourself. And you find yourself returning to the, that thought of, I can see 
how God is going to use them. But how could God ever use me? Because you see, I found out that you can't run the race that God has set before you when your eyes are on the people who are running beside you. And see, my friend Darren inspires me, and I look to him, and I'm, I mean that sincerely. I'm inspired by what God is doing through his life. That's a good thing. But the moment I attempt to adjust my personality or leadership style to do it a bit more like Darren is, is the moment when I start being inauthentic to the person that God created me to be. And so I wonder, with that, those thoughts in mind, if you'd open your Bibles up to 1 Corinthians, and we're going to look at a passage I'm sure you guys know really well. Um, and it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, so if you would find that for me in your Bible, that would be great. And this is Paul, and he's using the metaphor of a body, a physical body, to describe how God wants to use us. And it says this in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, I'm not an eye and I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, then where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, then where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body Every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I wonder if you'd say those last few words together with me. God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them together, just as he wanted them to be. You are the body of Christ. And each one of you is, is, is a part of it. But more important than that, what this passage is teaching us is that each one of us is a unique part of it each with our own specific role to play. Did you know that there is nobody else on this planet that has the same mix of gifts and strengths and personality and experiences as you? And so that means that God has uniquely positioned you to be used by him in a way that nobody else on this planet can be. Wow. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? So if it's true that each one of us is the body of Christ, that we're a unique and specific part of it with our own function, with our own job to do, then it raises an interesting question, doesn't it? Which part of the body am I? Following that metaphor, you know, what is my function? What is my job within the body of Christ? And so help us answer that. I, I want us to turn our attention to the authors of the four New Testament Gospels. Now, this is going to sound like a tangent, but I promise you that it isn't. Stay with me. So, the authors of the four New Testament Gospels are... Brilliant Bible knowledge. Well done, guys. Congratulations. 
You knew that, but did you know that the four gospel writers are sometimes um, compared with the four heavenly creatures or the faces of the heavenly creatures that we read about in Ezekiel and again in Revelation? So Matthew with the man, Mark with the lion, Luke with the ox, and John with the eagle. And that's why if you ever see artwork with these saints depicted or you visit a old cathedral and see a stained glass with these saints, you'll often see them depicted with those animals or, or creatures. And I'd like to use this to, I guess, help us understand ourselves a little bit better today. Because these are so-called because of the themes that the gospel writers tackle in their gospels, because of the writing styles that they use. But I think they also describe to us quite well four unique personality types. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to describe them to you now. And as I do, I need you to listen really, really carefully, because I want you to decide upon which one most accurately describes you. Now, we're doing this in broad strokes, so nothing is going to describe you exactly, but which one most closely describes you. Am I making sense? Are you with me? You know where we're going with this? Okay, so we start with Matthew the man. And Matthew the man is so called because this is the relational person. This is the people-focused person. If you're this person, then, then you most connect with God not so much listening to a talk like this or in a meeting like this. You most easily and most readily connect with God when you're sitting with a friend over coffee and you're, you're talking together about the things of God because that's, that's how God's wired you. You're a people person. You're really great at, at showing love and care for others. You uh, are able to notice just by somebody's face, by their demeanor, that something's not off. But not only are you the first to notice that, You also know how to come alongside that person and put your arm around them in the right way and and talk to them in the right way to to help them to express and to get through what they're feeling. You're great at showing love and care for the people around you. Often uh, the the, the man, Matthew, is, is, is really passionate about issues of social justice. You're a down-to-earth kind of person. You may look at other Christians around you and, and, and you know, think, you know, I just, I just do not get you. You're like away with the fairies. I do not know what you're on about. You're not necessarily hugely pr- prophetic or visionary, but you're more pastoral by nature. You're a relational people person. That's Matthew, the man. And Mark, the lion, is so called because the lion has a powerful roar. <laughs> And, and you're the lion if you're the kind of person that, that when you use your gifts, things just shift. They shift in the, in the spiritual realm. They shift in people's hearts and lives. Um, you're a, often the kind of gifts that you have lend you to be more of an upfront kind of person. These people can, can often be restless, easily bored. You're usually at your best when initiating something new, when starting out a fresh project and sticking at the same thing for a very long period of time. That kind of bores you a little bit. You're also a very passionate person. And that means that you can be quickly frustrated when other people don't seem to see things from the same angle as you or from the same perspective as you. And you feel passionate about that. Um, because you are a passionate person. You are the lion. Luke, the ox. Well, Luke is so cool because this is the, the faithful, the trustworthy, the diligent person. You 
can stick at the same task for a long time without getting bored because your sense of purpose and fulfillment comes from knowing that something that wasn't now is because you put your hand to the task. You don't need to be seen or noticed or even thanked for the things that you do. You're probably more of a behind-the-scenes person. You don't crave the spotlight or the, or the stage or the, or the microphone. You're happy to work behind the scenes. Sometimes big social situations or meeting new people, it's, that's not really your thing. You don't necessarily always know what to say, but given a task, you will flourish, you will thrive, you'll do it well, you'll do it on time, and you will deliver every time. That's Luke, the ox. And then finally, John, the eagle. An eagle is so cool because the eagle soars and just sees things from a different perspective. So you might be a prophetic person or a visionary kind of person. And you're the kind of person that if you're like in like one of those kind of, you know, home group, small group Bible studies, you know, you're not necessarily saying a lot. You're just listening and you're just taking it all in and everyone's chatting away. But then you say the thing that just unlocks the conversation and everyone goes, oh, yeah, I didn't see it like that before. Because you see things kind of from a different angle. Now, you're more like a sniper than a machine gun. You're not taking a lot of shots. But when you do take aim and fire, you always hit the target. Some of your friends might call you hard to read because it's likely that you're an internal processor and things are going on in your mind before they make it to your lips. You're John. You're the eagle. Now... This is going to be a little bit tricky and a little bit messy and a little bit crazy. Um, but I am going to ask you to move into an area in the room that most closely represents you. So if you're uh, Matthew the man, the, the um, pastoral people person, come to kind of these, this area of the room. If you're Mark, the lion with a powerful roar to hear. If you're Luke... Uh, the ox, the faithful, the diligent, the trustworthy, come to kind of this area. And if you are John, the eagle, who sees things differently, then you come to this area. So you are going to have to get up and move around, but don't worry too much about that. Go. So it's Matthew the man, Mark the lion, the ox, and the eagle. Let's get there. We're going to have to do a quick shift. I'm going to go into the middle for a moment. Okay. Okay. So we've got the man, the lion, the ox, the eagle. Okay. This is great. Right, what I want you to do now, because I know you all hate me for pigeonholing you, okay? <laughs> what I want you to do now is to point to the one that uh, kind of second most closely represents you. So remember, it's man, lion, ox, eagle. So why don't you just point to the one that most, uh, it's kind of the second closest. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting, isn't it? Now, before you sit down, before you sit down again, Okay, listen up, everybody. Let me just read to you some of those verses we read just a moment ago again and see now, after what we've just done, if they maybe resonate with you in a slightly different way. Are you okay? Okay, here we go. If 
the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, how? Just as he wanted them to be. My friends, I came here to tell you this afternoon that you are not the way you are by accident. But because God very purposefully and intentionally created you to be everything that he wanted you to be. Guys, you have got everything you need to be who God is calling you to be. So let me just say a few words to the men. First of all, these are the, the pastoral guys over here. Guys, do you know what the do you know what the church is without you guys in the church? You know what the church is? It's weird. That's <laughs> what it is. I'm serious. I mean, what are we, what's all this? I mean, what are we even doing? Who even knows? But you are the people that kind of ground us. You're the ones that enable us to relate to the world, that enable us to do the, the very thing that Jesus called us to do and said that would mark out his disciples, which is to love one another. And we need you just... You know, not to look over to the eagles and say, I wish I was maybe a little bit more prophetic. But just to say, hey, you know, God didn't make a mistake when he made me. And it's okay that I hear from God in this way the best. And just to learn to love the way that God made you and to be that in the very best way. And you know what, lions, we just need you to roar, you know. We need you to be the voice of Christ in a world that tries to shut the voice of Christ out of it. Do you hear what I'm saying? And yeah, sometimes you're going to annoy people. And yeah, sometimes you're going to upset people. But it kind of comes with the lion thing. Be the best lions you can. Be the best you God created you to be. Oxes, do you know, this is the oxes here, right? Do you know what the church achieves without the oxes? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing at all. Because we've got all these guys just want to get a microphone. Nothing happens to that. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. But you are the guys that make it happen. You are the guys that take things from nothing to something. And it's so easy for you to look at the people who are gifted differently and say, I wish I was more like that. But I say, no, God made you on purpose with the gifts that you've got. And eagles, do you know, do you know what the church does without the eagles in the church? We kind of just do this. And we go around, we do a whole load of good stuff. But you're the ones that help us to do God stuff. And so here's what I'm trying to say. And you're going to hear so many talks, and you're going to forget most of them, let's face it. <laughs> so I only want you to remember one thing, one thing from today. And it's simply this, that God designed you deliberately. So become the best you that you could ever be. God designed you deliberately to become the best you that you could ever be. I wonder if you turn to the person next to you and you would just tell him, God designed you deliberately to become the best you that you could ever be. And then you can sit back down and I'll stop talking. You can sit back down then, guys. Thank you.
Okay. Okay, so um, if you can... Um, great, fantastic. We've got some questions to discuss because I wasn't able to get into the spiritual gifts specifically just in the 20 minutes that we had, but we're going to put some questions up on the screen. So, <coughs> excuse me, why don't you find a few people around you? Why don't you gather with them for a moment? You can, um, you can move um, the chairs around. And I want you to discuss these three questions, and then I'm going to give you um, as we conclude and get some feedback, I'm going to give you the best answers that, that I can manage on some of these. So the first question is, could you share with the people in your little group that you're going to form in just a minute, what are your top three spiritual gifts? And I want to say that if the answer to that is, do you know what? The truth is, I don't know. That's okay. Um, because that's why we're here is to begin on a journey with some of this stuff, okay? Um, so if you say, actually, the truth is I'm not really sure what they are, then just say that. Don't just go, ah, mm, discernment, I don't know. Um, uh, so uh, what, are your, what are your top three spiritual gifts? Okay, and next to you, you can answer, you can have a go at answering whether you would be able to kind of really say that accurately or not. The, the next question is, how do you go about identifying your own spiritual gifts. If you, if you don't know what they are, what might be the steps you might need to take to begin to identify them? And if you do know what they are, how did you do that? And you can share that with the people in your group. And finally, once you know what your spiritual gifts are, what are the steps that you can begin to take, as Paul wrote to Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God that's within you? How do you develop your spiritual gifts? So we're going to give this, how much time, Steve, before we do feedback? We're going to give this 10 minutes, and then we're going to give some feedback, and I'm going to give you just uh, two, what, one minute or two minutes of thought, and then we're going to hear from our friend. Okay, let's, uh, let's wrap that, that up then. We'll jump straight into question two. Who's got the roaming mic? Darren's got the roaming mic. Um, who wants to share a thought on the process by which we can begin to identify our own spiritual gifts. Who's got, who's got a thought to share on that? Here we go. Adam. Uh, we talked about a couple of ways. Uh, God gives you talents, so check those out first of all, but also get other people to, Tim touched on this, that we look at other people and think, God, they're really good at that. I wish I was good at that. But other people are looking at you and saying the same thing. So check with those people to see what the, what they think about you, yeah. really, ultimately. And that will kind of confirm a few things in you. Yeah. Think, yeah. Great. Good stuff. Anyone else on the, the identify? Yeah. So uh, one of the things um, we sort of talked about was like um, how not when you sort of think of spiritual gifts, you often think of like really powerful acts of faith and raising the dead and, you know, doing... <laughs> 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 so, so, or, or like preaching, or, or you know, things that are like yeah. really out there and in the front. But I think it's also looking at the things that you use in your own day-to-day -day life. Maybe there's something you're really good at work yeah. um, with, and maybe there's like maybe you're good at like problem solving, or like you know, there's certain things that you use in your sort of professional life mm. that um, that you don't really think of them as spiritual gifts, but God's put that inside you, and you know that. It, it, he doesn't necessarily just want you to use it in one place. Maybe that's just to develop it and, and use it elsewhere. That's, that's great. Fantastic. Thank you. Look, we, we, we're slightly running out of time, so let's get a, a couple of comments then on once you've identified your spiritual gifts, how do we go about developing them? How do we go about growing in them, fanning them into flame? How do we do that? I think getting around older Christians who have walked it longer than we have, so yep. people that 
um, maybe already function in it really well. So if you're prophetic, getting around other really prophetic, quite yes, discerning people. Absolutely. And your gift comes alive when you're around those people that's, as well. That's very true. And so you can discover more about yourself in those that have walked further and can give you wisdom in those things. Yeah, 100%. Great answer. Fantastic. And then let's take a, let's take one more and I'll just give you um, a couple of thoughts and then we'll interview Rich. Okay. Someone here. Yeah. We were just saying that it's using the person that's probably seen it in you um, and that these are spiritual gifts, so they're given from God, so it might feel different and difficult because you actually have to rely on God to do them, so you have to really trust yeah, him to really develop it thought. because it's not something you naturally can do because it's it's spiritual and from God. So trusting in him and using God to be able to actually do the gifting. Really interesting thought. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, well, if you guys are, are taking notes, uh, let me give you just a quick three takeaways on, on each of these. Okay. So here's three ways that I think you can go about identifying your spiritual gifts. If you don't, if you can immediate, here's the challenge, here's the challenge. If you are unable to articulate your top three spiritual gifts, then how can you be fanning them into flame? We can. So it's important that we're able to do that. So here's three ways that you can begin to do that. And the first, and, you know, it's for this kind of insight, Helen, that you're going to be so glad you came is to read your Bible, right? <laughs> and um, what I would really encourage you to do is to do a study of the passages that talk about the spiritual gifts and do that with the Holy Spirit at your side. And as you read through those passages uh, about the spiritual gifts, be asking God, what is it that you have put in me? And allow the Spirit to speak to you. Um, the second way is, and this was mentioned, um, to ask trusted friends and mentors, people who do know you well, who have spent time with you and have seen you doing what you do, and ask them, what, what do you see in me? And the third way, and honestly, this I cannot tell you how helpful this has been in my life, and I'd really encourage you to do it. Take a spiritual gifts assessment. Just take some time to do that. Willow Creek, do a really excellent one that's available online. Take a spiritual gifts assessment. You'll find that really revealing and helpful. And then you can go away and study on your gifts. Okay, so three thoughts there uh, uh, on how to identify them. And three thoughts on how to develop them. First, um, once you know what your spiritual gifts are, I'd really encourage you to read around your area of giftedness. If you've got a gift of prophecy, pick up some books on the gift of prophecy. And, and, and read around that area and, and allow God to teach and train you as you do that. The second, which was um, already put so articulately, which is to get alongside people who are gifted similarly to you, but are maybe a few steps further on in that journey. I've got a guy in my life who's, who's uh, a mentor to me. And one of the reasons I asked him to be that is because he has very a very similar gift mix to me, um, but he's just been on that on that race for longer and that's really helpful to me and finally and most importantly in order to fan your gifts into flame you know what you need to do you need to put them to work <laughs> you need to put them into practice if your gift is the word of knowledge then you're gonna have to take that risk walk down the aisle and go to the pastor on Sunday morning hey I think I might have a word of knowledge do you mind if I you're going to have to take some risks and put those things into practice. So those are three things for you guys I, thanks for listening really well I hope that that's been helpful to you uh, and I uh, thank you Tonight, I'd love to introduce a, a, a very uh, good friend of mine, uh, the man, the myth, the legend. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Rich Ellerington. Here he is. Tell us, 
uh, very briefly about yourself, about your family, yeah. and uh, w that's it for now. Okay, okay. so headlines, uh, married to a Swiss girl called Reggie. Um, I've got three kids, uh, Marnie, my eldest 13-year-old lad, AJ, my beautiful daughter who's here, Ayana Jade, Eternal Blossom. She's right there, she's 12, and then I've got a young... Uh, six-year-old sat in the corner uh, watching uh, uh, something on TV. <laughs> fully engaged. <laughs> fully, fully engaged. Loving what his dad's got to say. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, and tell us now just a little bit about of your journey in ministry, how you got into ministry, what, what you've done through the course of your years in, in the Elian ministry yeah, cool. and, what you're, and what you're up to now. So 20 years in Elian ministry. Um, uh, I think this is 20 years out of Bible college. But I grew up in ministry. My parents, uh, Elin pastors. My grandfather was an Elin pastor. My brother's an Elin pastor. So I've been surrounded by kind of ministry growing up. So I was into kind of leading youth work and doing all that sort of stuff from a very, very early age. Uh, felt the call of God to become a communicator of faith when I was around about six or seven. Um, used to sit in my bedroom preaching Billy Graham tracks. I got a couple of these things and I used to preach it to the mirror. Uh, I never got saved, still aren't, but you know, we're hoping. <laughs> Um, we're still praying. We're still praying. Uh, so uh, I kind of grew up with this call of God upon my life to, uh, to go and uh, share the gospel with people. Uh, and at 18, uh, by this stage, I've become passionate about surfing. And all my friends are pushing off around the world uh, on surf adventures. But I feel God's calling me to give him my youth and to go to Bible college uh, and train for ministry. So I jumped into Bible college and trained up and... Uh, signed up, signed my name on the dotted line. Okay, so let's pause yes. there before we find out about what you're doing yeah. now. Just to ask, obviously some of the guys in the room will already have a, a strong sense of what God's calling them to do. Yeah. Some of them will be in the workplace. Uh, some of them will be kind of in the early stages of ministry. I know there's many friends here who are, who are youth workers as well across, across the movement. Others may be a little uncertain and are coming here and they're asking, God, what, what are you calling me to do? If, if God was calling them into, and I know we don't like the language, but everyone yeah. knows what I mean, into the ministry or into a, a kind of, I guess, an employed Christian work through yeah. the church, um, what would be the things to look out for? How would they begin to discern that in their own lives? Um, I think one of the good, uh, one, of the, uh, uh, one of the checks for me is I felt uh, uh, God calling me to leadership. Um, so uh, it was evident early on that I was leading. And that was obvious because people were following. Uh, and there's some statement, isn't it? If you, if you look behind and there's nobody there as a leader, you're just taking a walk. Um, so if you're leading, then you're, there's evidence for that. It's the same if you're an evangelist, then people are getting saved. There is a self-evidency to the calling of God. If God's calling to it, then it's not something necessary that's way off in the future. There should be the seeds of that. I spoke at length uh, uh, with wise people of faith who encouraged me in that journey and talked about my my my, my giftings and uh, uh, and uh, uh, my calling and affirmed that. And I was always in a place uh, where I was exploring as opposed to. In fact, I was just having a conversation about it. I was looking for confirmation as opposed to an absolute. God has said this is what I am to do. I had ideas of what God was calling me to do. But I was holding those things loose, loosely, exploring, asking, uh, getting people to speak into my life, um, uh, and wanting, f looking for confirmations to f what I felt God was calling me to do. So it was a stage-by-stage -stage thing, really. So, yes. Fantastic. So, to cut a long story short, yeah. then, 
you combined your passion for Jesus and your passion for surfing, and you are now planting a surf church yeah. in Hossegore in the south of France. Tell us a little bit. Uh, I know it's <laughs> we, we could be here all day talking about that oh, journey, yes. but tell us a, a little bit about that journey, if you can. Uh, okay, so a couple of things. Um, so when I'm growing up uh, in the Ealer movement, there weren't a lot of us your age. So if we'd have pulled this group together, uh, uh, there'd have been about 10 of us. Uh, and I was a long-haired ginger freak. Uh, that were? Were. Well, it's gone blonde now. It's been <laughs> oh, bleached right, by the blonde, sun, yeah. so the gingerness no, is gone. Is. So I kind of grew up in church life, not really fitting in the church world. But uh, uh, I, I fitted better into my surf world and my crew of surf friends than I ever did in the, uh, uh, in the church world. But I love Jesus. Um, uh, and uh, so there was always this place of being in, in, two, in, in two tribes. Um, and I was just saying in another meeting earlier that, uh, you know, you'd hear people would, my dad would talk to me about Jesus being the friend of sinners. And that's why he was constantly in trouble because he was the friend of sinners. And all of my people group that I grew up, all the kind of uh, subcultures that I grew up in when I was in the clubs, uh, where were the Christians when I was amongst my surf mates? Where were the Christians? They just weren't there. Um, uh, uh, when I started riding motorbikes, you know, they weren't there. When I'm in the skateboard crew, they weren't there. Uh, and uh, and there really just weren't a lot of Christians being friends of sinners. And uh, this guy once said to me, uh, find your tribe and walk with them. That was obvious to me. My tribe is a bunch of surfers. Uh, and that's who I needed to be with. And as I said to God, I found my tribe. I'm planting this church amongst the surf community. God said, no, that's not your tribe. Your tribe is the lost. That's who you're to walk with. So I am specifically engaging with the surf subculture, but I'm pointing the church and planting church where the lost are. I planted a second surf church. After we planted a surf church uh, 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 five years ago, we planted our second church within six months. It collected a bunch of Christians from another church. I closed it down after six months. What's the point of planting a church going to reach the lost if you fill it with a bunch of Christians from other churches? So many church plants that we have in this country, it's one of the reasons I'm in France, are just being filled with Christians who are disaffected. So many, so many times we get excited because a bunch of people turn up uh, uh, to our church service and think, yeah, we've got to that number. We don't really care where they've come from or uh, whose youth ministry we're, we're, we're cutting in half as they come or whose church were, you know, the pastor's heart that we're breaking. We're just happy to have anybody. Fill a seat. Hallelujah. I can't live in that any longer. So I wanted to go uh, to France where there were no Christians. It was really important to me. I needed to get away from me <laughs> and everybody else is like me. I needed to go be around the lost, plant a church where there was nothing, and I needed to see what Jesus does uh, when all the stuff is stripped back. So we went and did that. Amazing. So it kind of it, it sounds like idyllic, you know. It sounds like you're out there south of France. It's sunny. You're surfing, telling people about Jesus, loving life. But it's not it's not all being kind of you know sweetness and roses, is it? It's no. how many. How many, how many years have you been there now? We've been there five years. And in those five years, in how many different places have you lived? We've lived in 20 places. 20 places in, in five years. So it really is, you know, it, it kind of sounds idyllic, but it's really been a sacrifice, that journey, mm. hasn't it? And so my question is this. For those who feel called to church planting in the UK, overseas, wherever it may be, or not even just church planting, but they have that sense of a pioneer within them, what does it take? What does it take in character? What does it take in courage? What does it take to, to be that 
kind of pioneer breaking new ground in the kingdom of God? That's a great question. Thank you. Uh, Thank you very much. Often (laughs) what it takes, um, your question's going to be better than my answer, I suspect. Um, What it takes, I often don't think I have because I'm always uh, struggling. That answer was definitely better than the question. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so, and so, where do you find your resource? Uh, uh, I went there because I needed to strip back all the stuff to find my resource again because my resource had become the band, my resource had become lighting, my resource had become program, my resource had become a bunch of people that were working towards my vision. I needed to get rid of it all to find my resource again. And that was just me, my kids, back of a van, <laughs> and just see what God does. Amazing. So my, my very final question, because I appreciate we're out of time, Steve, is this. A um, bunch of young leaders in the room. Um, you are a youngish leader. Um, <laughs> my, my, my question is, if you could go back to when you were 18, 19, 20, you know, 18 to 30, these these guys. Um, and you could say to yourself, this is something that you need for the journey, the journey of ministry, the journey of following Jesus, the journey of pioneering, mm. the, the journey of serving God. Mm. This is the thing that, that you really need to know, the thing that you wish you had known at the start, that you know now, but you didn't know then, mm. that you would want to pass on to these guys. What would that thing be? God, just one thing, huh? That's hard. One thing. Okay, one thing in about four parts, if that's okay. Uh, and they all begin with the letter S. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, first, outlast the crisis. There's life the other side of the crisis. You've got to outlast it. And there's going to be some stuff that's going to hit you in life. And it's going to, uh, it's, it's going to make you feel like you can't get any further. Regu- uh, a, my family were in Christ. <laughs> we often talk, there's a lot of crisis. There's lots of ups and downs in the journey of pioneering. You're living with the tension of what, of what you see in the future and the reality of what is now. And there's d- often disaster and chaos in the now. You've got to outlast that moment. Be there the other side. Be there the other side of the marriage problems. Be there the other side of the problems with your kids and the problem the kids have with you. Be there the other side. Be there the other side of the criticism that people come and bring you for being, bring to you for being different. Outlast the crisis. Keep your eyes fixed on the point that you're heading, which isn't to do with your vision. It's just to do with him and walking with him. And he points you and directs you as you walk to the place that he wants you to be. So don't get too fixated on, I need to do that. What you need to do is you need to be with him. If you focus on being with him, wherever you find yourself, you're going to be okay. Because he's the strength that you need to outlast the crisis. Otherwise, you end up burnt out and wrecked. And there are too many people who are burnt out and wrecked and disillusioned. Uh, Christianity should be the most adventurous thing that is going on. And it should be radical and edgy. And I remember when I was coming out, I came up with some crazy ideas of what I, f- I wanted to go do in ministry. And some of the advice I had from some other people wasn't great advice. I said, no, no, no. Right, what you need to do is you need to play it safe. <laughs> you need to, you know, all this sort of stuff. The best plan is get a good job, good church, kind of career build, get some income, then build from there and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it was the most boring path for me. Um, if it's not wild and adventurous and faith-filled and risky, then you're not doing it right. 
Because that's what Christianity is. I can't look at the Bible and see the life of the disciples following Jesus and look at my life and see a great big gap any longer. So if this thing isn't radical, then make a change. So if I could say something to me to me as I came out is be keep making those changes. Don't stay in safety and outlast the, the crisis. Amazing. Guys, would you join me in thanking Rich? Thank you. And Tim as well, thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate all that you've given.